In the galaxy of many podcasts, we're honored you dropped in two hours. Welcome to Biz and Coffee. Our mission to inform, educate, and entertain business leaders on ideas, concepts, and trends. Each week, we'll be discussing a business-related topic, sometimes just the two of us, occasionally with guests. What are your bugbears? Throw them over and we'll work them out together. If you'd like to be a guest, get in touch. And now, over to our hosts, Io and Christopher. How to deal with toxic clients, where you find yourself with an overly demanding client that isn't respecting your time, maybe, or is asking you to do things that are not part of the remit. That kind of scenario. What would you say about that? First of all, welcome to the episode. The, the first thing I would always say is that define your ideal client first and what you want to offer them. So be very clear on what that is. So that it's very easy for you to identify who is the toxic client. Because oftentimes what happens is you haven't defined the boundaries and what the product is. You're not very clear on what you do or what you don't do. And therefore people just take liberties, right? Mm. Now having said all of that, there are you know, obviously some people, no matter how well you define everything, even if you've got a billboard at the front of the door, show you exactly what you do. There are certain people who, who just, some clients who are just toxic, right? Yeah. And, you know, for me, the first way I, you know, the first way I always think about it is pricing is something you can use to eliminate very difficult people. And what do I mean by that is first of all, maybe you want to be charging higher than you are charging to attract a different kind of client. What I found is that low paying clients usually are very demanding. And I, I don't know what it is. The lower people pay, the more demanding they are. The higher they pay, the less, you know, the less it is. You know, I have clients who paid me a lot of money and they're like, yeah, just let us know where you start. And I think, what do you mean? You know, let's start, I chase them for dates and stuff like that. There are clients who they haven't even paid. They want to know when are all the sessions, they become extremely demanding and that's linked to how much they're paying, which drives the way they perceive, you know, your time. Because when, when people don't perceive something as valuable, also the way they behave towards it will reflect the fact that they don't think is valuable. But the, but for me, the first thing is always try and price your products to eliminate the kind of clients you don't want to deal with. The second one is the moment you determine that this is a client that is toxic or you don't want to work with, then you've got to communicate that to them in clear terms. And that sometimes, unfortunately, might mean you have to refund them whatever they paid you. Mm. You know, because sometimes it's cheaper for you to refund them their money and thank them for coming and move on than try to think, oh, look, after this episode, I'm not going to work for you. I'm not going to work with them again. Because remember that these people, they give you a problem in session. Doesn't mean when they leave, they're also going to be telling some other people how, yeah, you're not, the, you're not good or whatever it is that they have a gripe about. So, so it's always important to make sure that, look, if they've slipped through your pricing net, and you recognize that they're toxic, you got to let them go quickly the moment mm. you recognize it. And it may be a bit painful because you might have to just refund them their money and tell them to go on. And I think over time, it's a better way to go than try to think, oh, you can manage them and get them to behave properly and all of this stuff. It's just probably not right for your business. Yeah, totally. 
I wanted to pick up on the point about defining your client really well, because I think that's crucial to avoiding that situation of ending up with the wrong kind of client. I think that comes from being clear about the work you want to do and not just doing the work that people ask you to do, but being clear about the kind of work you want to do and the kind of person or the kind of organization you want to work with. I think there's so much more satisfaction from a, an individual point of view, a personal point of view, from working with people that you like people that you want to work with in service of a goal or a, a mission or a purpose that, that you believe in. There will, of course, be people listening to this who, who feel, well, now I just need the money. I've just got to pay the bills. And that is a consideration. But I think what we're trying to point at here is you, you want to start as you need to go on and, and set yourself up in a way that's effective and practical and is going to be successful. You'll probably be aware of or familiar with Daniel Priestley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Daniel yeah, Priestley, great book he wrote called Oversubscribed, which talks about, a, I think he was an English history teacher uh, who finished up in the US and became a coach. And I think he said, I may have the numbers wrong, but it, I think it's 12 clients a year at $80,000 a piece. And what he doesn't have to do is put up with any nonsense from any client. First of all, they're not going to waste his time because they're paying a lot for it. Yeah. And secondly, if they're not really committed, the relationship isn't going to work, is it? I, I think when you've, when you've got that scenario where I need the money, it's what it is. I guess what you need to be doing is thinking carefully about how do I get out of that? Because the truth of the matter is that if you've got toxic clients, you may end up finding yourself in that vicious circle of I need the money. And then, you know, it takes out the joy in what you're doing. You don't really enjoy it. You don't like your clients. And given the fact that you spend more than 50% of your time working, that's got to be a terrible way to live because then you're just like stressed the entire time. So I think the situation would exist sometimes where you need the money and that's why you're doing it. And that's fine. You know, you recognize that. But then you've got to, go, you've got to have a plan to transition from that to maybe a scenario where Daniel has, Daniel finds himself. And I find that a lot of that is just having the courage to do it. It's just having that courage to sit down and say, okay, this is the kind of client I want to work with. This is the kind of problem I want to solve and then go out there and find it. I don't want to minimize it, but that's the truth. And that's because I've seen people do it. Like I see people who just decided this is what I want to do. Initially, it might be a bit challenging to get going, but if you, apply the law of consistency and then also and the other part of it making sure it's effective what you're doing which is you're taking action you're checking whether you're getting the right right results you're minimizing it uh you're changing your actions to to reflect what you're learning you will get to the point where you're going to eventually and there's nothing there's nothing better than that feeling of i'm doing what i want to do with the people i want to do it with and i'm getting the kind of results i'm looking for it's just a perfect equation but fear will keep you stuck in, I need the money. But courage to acknowledge yourself and the things you want will take you out of it. Yeah, it will. How do you spot a toxic client? The toxicity of a client, the level of toxicity is a function of how clear you are, right? Because the truth is, I can feel that a client that calls me all the time is toxic and some other person wants their client to call them all the time because that's what they want to do, right? So your toxicity meter will be driven by how clear you are on what you want to do. So I always feel like, you know, if 
this are the boundaries of what I want to do. Make sure it's, it's very clear to you. And so long as the client is playing within that boundary, they're fine. Once they go outside of that boundary or they're getting close to it, you know, okay, listen, uh, this client, I've got to bring them back to the center of what it is, then it's fine. But to determine who's toxic, you have to be clear on what you're supposed to, what you want to be doing. Because that's actually what defines whether someone is toxic or not. Because like I, for instance, enjoy my own company. So I love solving problems for clients, but I don't want to do that all day. So I want to do that pockets of times. And then the rest of the time, I want to do my own thing and stuff like that. Mm. So if I have a client, even though we're solving the right problems or the kind of problems I get excited about, but then they want us to be doing it all day long, then I, I'm not going to like that client. I'm, I'm going to start to resent that client. Yeah, you're talking about boundaries there, aren't you? Yeah. And you can see when they're stepping over the boundaries. Yeah, you've got to know. Once you know, then you know what's toxic. Do you think it helps to have T's and C's? I mean, when they yeah. get really long, they sort of don't mean anything anymore. Yeah, so I think T's and C's are, for those who don't know, terms and conditions, I think they're necessary. So from a legal perspective, you should have a detailed T and C's that cover how you work. So that's one, but you still, after you have that, which is part of the agreement I signed, you should have two to three things that define how you engage with your client that you're going to discuss with them in the, uh, in the onboarding session, if you have something like that, so that they know that because most people don't read the T's and C's. So saying that, oh, I put in T's and C's that we speak only once a week or you can't call me after nine doesn't make any sense right because most people don't read it you need to identify the things that are important to you the three or four or five or whatever it is don't make it too long because then it then becomes another a different form of tccs but then those things that are important to you three four five of them discuss it in the contracting process before you even onboard the client so the client knows like this are the red lines right they're clear because now you discuss them, but it should still be your T's and C's and your T's and C's should, you know, have all the things that lawyers think you need to have in there as well. Cause those are to protect you should there be conflict or liabilities or anything like that. But what we're talking about in terms of toxicity, it's something you have to communicate. You can't just uh, go and put in some document and hope that somebody reads it when we know most people don't read it. Yeah. Reminds me of, the podcast I was listening to, which is Rework, which is a podcast from the guys who wrote Basecamp. One of the things they talk about is that the stuff they build, the stuff they make, and the clients they're looking for, they're not looking for everyone. They do that thing you said earlier about being really clear and defining who it is they want to do stuff for. Yeah. They have this very strong value in their organization around big enough is big enough. We're not trying to be a Google. We're not trying to be that big. We have a loyal core of customers and raving fans, and it's them we're working for. We're not trying to work for everybody. We're just trying to work yeah. with the people who want to work with us, which is a really healthy attitude. It's like Daniel was saying, you know, if, if you get that specific and you're adding real value to those people, suddenly you can charge 80000 a year. If you're adding real value to their bottom line, it's probably nothing. But it sounds big if you look at the number, the rule of thumb is if I'm asking for X, I should be delivering 10X the value, right? So if yeah. I'm making 800,000 for you, would you give me 80,000? 
yeah. So that so so that value is very important. Figuring out the value you bring to your client. If a client is toxic to you, can you really add value to them? Because you will probably resent them, right? So <laughs> you probably resent that client. I like that idea of three to five things as a basis for the engagement. I think that's a cool idea. And perhaps the fifth thing is if there's anything we haven't covered already, we commit to having a conversation about it. You know, is it say this is the premise on, on which we are engaging, basis on which we're working yeah. together. And then as soon as anything is going outside of that, our commitment is to, to bring it up, not feel embarrassed yeah. about it, to bring it forward and talk about it. Yeah. Isn't it lovely when you have effective and consistent communication? Most things can be solved when you've got that effective and regular communication. Because at the end of the day, I mean, everybody's trying to make progress. If, and if we communicate when things are not going well, then things things will move. But when you're having to read between the lines all the time, it, that's another kind of uh, client relationship that I try to you know avoid, mm. where you're constantly reading between the lines. You waste so much energy trying to uh, figure out what the other person is saying. I wonder if in any contract that one's running, should it have yeah. maybe a real-world reality checkpoint? When I run projects, the two things I'm always checking for on an ongoing basis, one is that we remain aligned, and the other one is to make sure that the goals or the objectives have not changed. But the whole idea is to identify all the stakeholders, which buckets they fit into. Now, a good project manager or someone running a good project must have a communication plan for each line of those people and follow that communication plan. One thing that's very important in anything you're doing is ensure that there remains alignment the entire time. The moment there's no alignment, a big stop sign must be held up <laughs> until you get aligned. Because whenever you're not aligned, here's what you're doing. You're starting to move apart when you're not aligned. And it starts with very little alignment. And the problem is, if you look at this, if I do this, and then you start moving this way, you can see how a really small issue becomes a big issue because it's not dealt with the moment of your course. Yeah. It's like they say when you're flying a plane to a destination, the pilots are spending the entire time correcting. They're not really flying to the destination. They're correcting the deviation that is happening because the winds are blowing the plane off course. And they, it's the same thing when you're managing a project or you're doing anything. It's alignment. Mm -hmm making sure that our alignment remains is probably your most important job because if there's no alignment the situation or the project is probably going to fail why is the project failed because somebody is going to say this is not what we wanted no matter how wonderful the end product is this is not what we wanted that's a top takeaway for me alignment checks i think one could put that in one's standard project template or engagement template we will do alignment checks on a regular basis and you and i will do that with this absolutely well. <laughs> i think it's underrated but it's probably one of the most important once you are aligned you can solve all of the problems coming yeah it's not something you leave for later you have to do them right from the start because as you say as soon as the deviation starts yes. the longer you leave it the harder it is to pull pull something back on on track yeah. Well, I think we'd better wrap yeah. the episode around here. Yes. I mean, if you allow me, I'll keep doing alignment. <laughs> we'll do another. We'll do another episode on alignment. We'll put that. We'll put that in the stack, and we'll do one on that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. Excellent. Cool. Thanks everybody for joining us, and do let us know what you think. Also, we need to know what you'd like to hear about. Contact us through our social media channels. The details are in the show notes. 
and we'll see you next time absolutely see you thank you if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please rate and review and share it with your friends and colleagues if you have questions or a topic you would like us to discuss please reach out to catch the latest on the show follow us on social all contact details are in the show notes thanks for listening